temperature will fall to 11 degrees or below. The temperature now is uh, it's 19 degrees, 74% humidity, and the news from RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Jenny Lam and my co-presenter today is Janice Wong. Good morning, Janice. Good morning. So this morning we'll be discussing the calls to boost Hong Kong's green tourism. DAB lawmaker Holden Chow said that while the scenery here in Hong Kong is a big attraction to many mainland visitors, the necessary infrastructure in the new territories such as food and beverage services and transportation is not adequate. So what facilities would you like to see? And how do we strike a balance between green tourism development and conservation? And what about the issue of visitor safety? Do they know what they should or should not do? And after 9.45, we'll be looking at the Consumer Council's call to regulate probiotic products. So let us know what you think. You can leave us a message on our Facebook page, email us at backchat at rthk.hk or call us on 233 and joining us this morning, we have Roland Sharman. He's the founder and CEO of Hong Kong Outsider. Good morning, Mr. Sharman. Good morning. Morning. Also with us is James Tung, Executive Committee Member and Inbound Committee Convener of the Hong Kong Association of Travel Agents. Good morning, Mr. Morning. Tung. Morning. Morning. So, uh, Roland Sharman, let's go to you first. Um, you, your organization, Hong Kong Outsider, um, mm -hmm. specifically deal with, you know, uh, visits to uh, um, parks and, and that kind of stuff. Do you think um, we need to have more infrastructure to cater for mainland tourists? Well, it, it, it's a, yeah. I mean, it depends on what kind of infrastructure we're talking about. I mean, I was reading um, Mr. Chow's sort of comments in an article yesterday in the SCMP or, or whenever it was and talking about a sort of comparison between the new territories and perhaps Repulse Bay where they have plenty of facilities. What we don't need is another Repulse Bay uh, out in the new territories. Um, it's very much a residential area. That kind of infrastructure I don't think works. And obviously this disruption and, and managing the sustainability of something like that um, would be a super... A, would actually be negative, I think, if it would come to fruition. Elaborate uh, a little bit. What is wrong with Repulse Bay? Uh, well, <laughs> it, 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 when it comes to F&B, although, you know, we love supporting that industry, um, it produces a lot of rubbish. It produces a lot of uh, sort of ground, ground traffic. Uh, I'm not so sure that that is going to promote Hong Kong as a destination if we put a few um, restaurants and, and bars and things like that out in, in in these areas where you will disrupt the actual reason people want to come and see the scenery and the natural landscape and putting infrastructure in at that level uh, would would be a significant deterrent i would think um people go to these areas for to, to get away from the city to enjoy this, this sort of uh, biodiversity uh, the sites uh, engaging with local communities and more of a local um, a, a, a local offering in terms of villages and village shops and, and things like this, I think are much more of a draw. Um, yes, there is need for infrastructure, maybe through visitor centers and, and sort of, uh, you know, and sort of restroom facilities, etc., which I feel are actually quite good at the moment, but they could be improved and there could be more of them. Um, but putting in a big commercial sort of, uh, the pulse, um, out in uh, out in Saikung, I'm not sure it's going to work. 
Right. So uh, just in general, I mean, how popular would you say a green tourism is uh, in Hong Kong at the moment, Mr. Sharman? It's hard for me to say. Um, I, I don't see a lot of foreign traffic, to be honest. Most of mine is local community, but we do have the odd person coming in, and it is mixed in terms of um, in terms of cultures and, and nationalities. Um, but you know, th- there is a global movement towards ecotourism. Um, certainly, people are, are spending their money more wisely. Um, and uh, but I'm not sure that trend is necessarily following if we're looking at opening up to mainland China. I know the China government is doing plenty in terms of trying to address the situation of sustainability and, 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 and the environment. Um, but are the tourists on the same wavelength um, as perhaps the rest of the world? I'm not sure we're there yet. Um, uh, but. You know, obviously, it's something that Hong Kong is uniquely positioned to take advantage of, considering the landscape, the contrast, and proximity to a, a number one tiered, you know, tiered global city. Um, I think we have to prepare ourselves for that, but I'm not sure we're ready just now. If you if you get my meaning. All right. Uh, maybe let's uh, let's go to uh, James Tong. He's uh, from the Hong Kong Association of Travel Agents. Good morning, uh, Mr. Tong. Morning. Um, so what do you think about uh, um, the popularity of green tourism? Are, are they more popular among certain types of visitors? I, I think at the moment, or, or through the years, I should say, uh, the Hong Kong Tourism Board um, have been uh, promoting green tourism. Um, they, they've got, you know, annual calendar events back in the days um, and, you know, promoting the geopark, etc. Um, but I think... Um, like what I, I also echo with what Roland just mentioned, um, the turnout um, in terms of even nationality or even a number uh, had, had not been that great. Um, for some reason, I don't think um, our, our overseas tourists perceive Hong Kong as a uh, ecotourism destination. There are a lot of you know competing choices. Having said that, you know, in particular groups, you know, such as the back in the day, such as the Japanese. Um, uh, what not. Yes, they do have some interest because of the proximity to the city um, and, you know, that deep contrast that Roland just mentioned as well. Um, so they are of appeal. Um, having said all that, um, I think, um, you know, even nowadays, I, I would say um, the Chinese tourists are getting increasingly sophisticated and they would be looking for, you know, um, a green retreat. So uh, Hong Kong may be an option, something to take advantage of. But of course, in terms of going back to the original um, question from uh, Mr. Chow, uh, when he mentioned your know, facilities to be added, I also echo with Roland's comment. I, I don't think we should commercialize um, our, our, our greenery uh, per se, but I mean, in terms of more visitor-friendly facilities, um, such as you know, self-guided tours, etc. You know, these um, uh, things that enhances the experience or helps the tourists to locate themselves and, and you know, do different trails, etc. I think those are more important than just putting in, um, you know, um, commercial facilities, more commercial-like facilities uh, on these uh, greenery spots. Okay. Also uh, on the line with us this morning is Lawrence Eu. He's the Executive Director of Civic Exchange. Good morning. Good morning. Um, so... Uh, James Tung and Roland Sharman are saying they're, they're saying that don't commercialize our country parks. Basically, what are your thoughts? Um, I definitely agree with the point. Is don't commercialize our country parks because 
um, I think the, I feel the, the how we differentiate ourselves with other city in the world is um, three particular points. First one is very accessible. Secondly, we have a very strong culture and heritage um, background. And then thirdly, is we have a very diversified landscape in our city from the ocean to the mountain. That is really um, different, different um, from other city in the world. The question for us is like how to build a better software to better accommodate our visitors from all around the world. What, what do you mean better software? But um, for example, is um, like um, some um, travel information because uh, actually yesterday I was on the flight um, from Hong Kong to Beijing and then I talked with the passenger next to me and then he left aware that Hong Kong has such good um, natural country park. Yeah, because his feedback is very difficult to gather information. But once we cross the border to mainland China, they are very easy to find all the information like hiking, biking all around the nation. So that is really different um, software um, to infrastructure. You mean apps? You mean, mean online? Like app. Like online, for example, Child Watch or like um, High All Childs. This kind of app can really help the tourists to really identify, to plan their trip in advance. Would you agree, Roland Sharman, it's difficult to find trails? Uh, I, I don't think it's difficult to find trails. It, in fact, I think if we and we are concerned about the congestion and how busy the trails are getting and how we can manage uh, how we can manage their upkeep and making sure they're maintained in, the, in, in a way that it still attracts people, uh, but obviously promotes you know hiking as a as a, a pastime as we do. And it is fantastic in Hong Kong. One thing, one one, but. The, when we're talking about that, the major trails, yes, I think there's plenty of information around it. But I would agree that there's not enough information, there's not enough basic infrastructure around the many other trails that we have in Hong Kong. There are so many little paths and trails, and they're not promoted, whether they're, they're not maintained, they may be slightly dangerous. But there's certainly, there's certainly an opportunity to perhaps um, upgrade these to a level where the, uh, the government uh, in, in our and participa participants would, would use some of these trails. Can, can you, which areas are you thinking about? Everywhere in Hong Kong, alongside all the major trails, Lantau Trail, Hong Kong Trail, Wilson Trail, there are hundreds of other side paths and routes that, that, that connect, that run parallel, that take you to places where you have, in fact, better scenery. Uh, uh, you know, uh, you see a more alternative Hong Kong, which is what we promote. Some of them can be dangerous, and I understand that, but not. Uh, but many of them are not. And there's certainly a, a room for improvement where we can make these trails more accessible and educate people. But this is the key. Education is very much the key. Education about how to care for the environment, education about how to care for your safety, um, is something I'm very passionate about. Um, so I think that there, there needs to be a concerted effort to develop some of these trails, perhaps uh, make them safer, make people more aware, promote them. Um, but yes, that, 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 that's, um, 
That's what I feel. Well, while you're on that, of, of course, over the past week, we had uh, three visitors who were injured in, in, on, on a hiking trail in, in the Chaco area while taking um, uh, a, a photograph. I think the woman... Oh, funny that. Yeah. Yeah, right. So, so you know, there are risks with with hiking, and and in fact, where the, that particular location was, there was a sign saying "Do not cross this point." No, so yes. so you can put in as many signs as you want. What more can you can we do this, to this, prevent this that kind thing. of the, the, signage? Is you have to put signage in because there was is, a sign. <laughs> yes, and and but you know what? When people see a sign, they take most people will tend to ignore it because they're not. They they have a perhaps an overflated idea of their own abilities. They don't understand the the risks that it can be unique to Hong Kong, like soil erosion. Um, you know, with our monsoon rains and you know, being next to cliffs and stuff, you don't know how you know how solid the terrain is, and that's just a lack of education. But you know, leading back to one of the comments earlier, you know, self guided tours maybe maybe have guided tours with people that are experts. I mean, obviously, you know, as a professional in this industry, you know, I always promote, you know, if you don't, you know, don't know the area, you should go with a guide. And, you know, we can develop jobs through guiding. It doesn't have to be sophisticated technical guiding, but just helping people understand the area, the, the, the geological makeup of the area, which is, you know, particularly in case with the, the geopark. And people want to understand why it's come to be this way, why we have this natural phenomenon. You know, people understanding people's safety. You know, there, there needs to be a significant effort moving towards education uh, of, of the outdoors in Hong Kong. <clears throat> and, and if I may, there's also a, a big untapped resource in terms of what we do, which is the outdoor more action sports like rock climbing, uh, canyoning. Um, these are, it's, we operate in a grey area, as most of the world does, but Hong Kong is very young in its approach to these sort of sports. And I can tell you, if we promoted these kind of sports and we found a way that we can work with the government uh, and, and the various sort of um, communities around these sports, um, it, you know, it would be an incredible draw for Hong Kong. In fact, just recently, last week, I moderated a Q&A with one of the leading female climbers in the world. She loves Hong Kong and what Hong Kong has to offer. Uh, it's one of her favorite cities now. Um, if we could, you know, create more noise around this, bring more high-profile people within these sports to the region, and look at, you know, what we already have to offer, it would be a significant uh, offering for Hong Kong. Right. And Mr. Sharman, yeah. going, going back to the uh, incident in Sheko, it was a, yeah. a very unfortunate incident because uh, uh, a woman and uh, her, her brother actually died in that incident. Um, yeah. What advice do you have for um, visitors or hikers who are in uh, that sort of uh, situation? If uh, um, someone you're hiking with, uh, if they get washed away, what do you do? Do you jump in? Uh, well... It, it, it all depends on the situation. I mean, be, be honest with your own abilities. Um, and again, you shouldn't really be out in these areas w without some sort of guide and understanding. People just take it for granted, the conditions, and, and these conditions can change quickly. Um, it's a very dynamic risk environment. Um, there's not, without having a guide, there's not much I can say because, unfortunately, some people are stupid and you know, they they take risks that they don't understand. Um, it, you know, it depends on if you're with a group, you're on your own, you're with a few people, you should really never go, go outdoors on your own, but it does happen. Um, if someone got swept away on the rocks, should you jump in? It depends if you're risking your own life or not. 
Um, it all depends on the situation. Um, but again, I think this comes down to educating people about the safety and understanding these environments. And there's not enough. A sign is not uh, enough. I, I'm working on a safety series with someone in Hong Kong at the moment. Um, but, you know, we, we need to educate educate people. Maybe that's part of the visitor centers. We can we can create some kind of section that deals with safety. Unfortunately, people just don't read. They don't pay attention and, and, and they don't have an honest approach to their own abilities. And, mm. and I'm, I'm not sure how we can address that, right. except for education. All right. Let's, let's go to uh, Mr. Tung. I mean, earlier you suggested uh, self-guided tours and uh, um, and also uh, uh, and Mr. Sharman, he, he's uh, saying maybe guided tours might be better because uh, if, uh, it might be safer for, for the actual visitors. Um, what do you think, uh, Mr. Tung? I mean, it might be a good idea, but do we have the manpower? Do we have uh, uh, enough well-trained guides? Uh, I think, um, first and foremost, I think it should be a combination of both. Um, I was thinking when uh, Mr. Sharman was uh, sharing his uh, views, is that um, there may be some rating system in terms of different trails, um, how it's going to be officially publicized, uh, particularly to the tourist. I think because the tourists, um, usually um, they don't have much information uh, coming in. So somehow, somewhere, there has to be, you know, rating systems, et cetera, uh, potentially to be in place. And so that, you know, for, uh, you know, less challenging routes and, 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 and places, then, you know, self-guided tour may be an option. But of course, I also do agree because physical safety is, you know, of most importance. I think, you know, after all, it's, it's lives, right? So anyone's safety is important. Um, of course, when you go to, you know, um, um, potentially dangerous areas, you should always have a professional to follow you. Now, going back to your question in terms of guides, I think I understand, you know, of course, the industry has been uh, training, um, uh, uh, you know, tour guides uh, everywhere. However, of course, um, I understand, you know, going into, you know, green tourism, that's a whole different level of um, depth and also, you know, the knowledge. Um, and, of course, safety is also very important. Now, of course, if we want to, you know, invest into... Uh, green tourism in Hong Kong, we need to have that uh, training made available. Now, however, uh, as, as per my understanding, there is no specific ratings or, or, you know, guidelines in terms of training professional, you know, green tourism guides. So I think that is something, of course, uh, moving forward. I think the industry as, uh, ourselves, uh, working, you know, with the Travel Industry Council or, or you know, the TIA, the, the Travel Industry Authority, uh, we should look into that. I mean, if we want to really go out and promote that, and of course, I agree. You know, going into, as I said, going into these um, uh, difficult places, of course, a professional guy with you know professional uh, tour operators operating it will be much safer. And of course, you get more knowledge, as uh, Roland mentioned earlier. You know, going to geopark, understanding terrain, etc. Yeah, uh, Lawrence, you. Uh, what do you think? You suggested earlier that that more should be done in terms of software. Um, what about what about uh, listing these the, the 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 risks and 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 um, details uh, online in general to to keep the visitors safe? Do you, are we not doing enough? Do you think? I think um, actually the government already provide enough um, information to really like to provide a very high level um, safety precaution for everyone in Hong Kong. But actually, um, actually the government also did um, one step more. Uh, 
already. For example, I'm still remember like um, Lychee, um, the ferry to Lychee Road. There are some um, tourist professional guys to really brief um, the geographical situation, uh, any safety precaution to the tourists um, on the journey, on the ferry journey from um, Taipo to Lychee Road. That the government can further explore how can really um, collaborate with um, different stakeholders hold around Hong Kong because Hong Kong government um, we um, are aware that we have a very strong um, civil society that can provide a strong support for government um, such as the private sector the um, non-profit sector everyone can work together for example make some announcement on on like some really um, tourism um, hiking trail bus to really briefly to talk about um, the safety or like working with some non-profit organization um, to really repair um, the hiking trail together or on the culture wise the government can really like to further um, engage with the local villages to really um, listen their feedback like the capacity or like any special uh, issue that the government or the cc the, the cco should aware of it what or, do, like, yeah. yeah what you know roland shaman suggested earlier that you know hong kong would be a great tourist draw for rock climbing and canyoning obviously you know these are very exciting and very popular sp- sports all over the world right now but they carry risk how how can we make sure that we can promote these things and at the same time be safe i think definitely need to partner with not just the tourist um, company but also partner with like um, the um, sport association to identify some key spot and then um, work together to promote the sport in some specific space um, pace to really attract the people first to there, go there and then to learn some um, fundamental skill and then also improve their awareness. Yeah, this maybe is the most um, practical approach, but really rely on the collaboration between the government and different um, sector in Hong Kong so that the government should more embrace a collaborative mindset in promoting green tourism in Hong Kong. James Stone, do you agree that rock climbing and canyoning are potential tourist attractions here? Well, of course. I think if, as long as we have the infrastructure in place and uh, the government is in support, uh, it's always a great showcase if there are events um, being organized around that. Then, you know, you know, put the green tourism or, you know, these extreme sports uh, focus into Hong Kong, then I think there's potential for sure. And Mr. Tung, just just one thing. I mean, earlier we talked about uh, guided tours, um, mm-hmm. and you're talking about the training of uh, these guides. Uh, how many how many of these uh, qualified uh, ecotourism guides do we have at the moment? Do you have any idea? I, I really don't have the numbers or the because, uh, as I said, I, I don't think there's specified ecotourism guides uh, uh, being licensed at the moment because there's no such segment. So, um, uh, but. Again, of course, the operators um, that are doing these um, uh, uh, green tours, such as uh, Mr. Sharman has been uh, running, um, there are a few of these um, uh, travel agencies or, or, or these um, uh, uh, organizers, and of course they have qualified guides. But 
in terms of a fixed number or, or a number on this category, I, I really don't have much of an idea. But before you go, Mr. Tsung, Mr. I know you have to leave us at 9.30. Uh, how is the recovery of the tourism sector doing after the pandemic? Hello? Sorry? Yeah. I, I just how is the tourism sector recovering uh, uh, following the end of the pandemic? Oh, um, I, is I it think so far, so far uh, the inbound uh, recovery has been, um, you know, as, as the tourism board uh, had just mentioned earlier uh, uh, the past week, uh, I think I think numbers have been uh, going uh, has been uh, recovering quite well. However, of course, we are still not back to the previous levels, and some particular markets of concerns. Um, I think I think like North Asia or the uh, longer haul markets okay. have not really come back as of yet. Okay. Um, but we see, you know, Southeast Asia and, and other regions have been uh, booming quite well, actually. Excellent. Thank you very much, James Tung, for joining us this morning. And also, Thank Lawrence you. Yu, uh, Roland Sharman will be back with you um, after the, the weather, which right now is uh, mainly cloudy. There will be one or two light rain patches at first and sunny intervals during the day. The maximum temperature will be about 21 degrees, moderate easterly winds fresh offshore at first. The outlook is for sunny intervals in the latter part of this week. Warm during the day, temperatures falling appreciably on Sunday, becoming cold progressively in the following couple of days. The minimum temperature will fall to 11 degrees or below. But right now it's 19 degrees Celsius outside, relative humidity 73%. News with Martin Holmes. Premier Lee Chung says the mainland economy was estimated to have grown about 5.2% in 2023, above the official target of around 5%. In a keynote speech to business leaders at the World Economic Forum in Davos, he said the Chinese economy was making steady progress. Pakistan has angrily accused Iran of carrying out an attack on a Baluchistan area in which it said two children were killed. The foreign ministry in Islamabad warned of possibly serious consequences for what it called a completely unacceptable violation of its airspace. And President Emmanuel Macron has outlined a series of measures that he says will improve the lives of French children. These include a better paid parental leave and a pilot scheme introducing school uniforms. I'll have more news at 10. The road harbour crossings have implemented time-varying tolls. Tolls for private cars and motorcycles vary by time slots and are lower during off-peak hours. Between these time slots, tolls will gradually increase or decrease every two minutes. Taxis tolls remain at $25 all day, while other commercial vehicles have uniform tolls at $50 all day. Check out the HKE Mobility app or the toll displays at tunnels for real-time tolls. So welcome back to Back Chat. And this morning we're talking about green tourism in Hong Kong. One of our listeners, Ilna, has written in and he's saying that the scenic beauty of Hong Kong is not only attractive to mainland tourists, but also cherished by every individual, including locals and visitors from all kinds of background. When discussing green tourism, it is crucial to consider the diverse needs and preferences of visitors. While some may prioritize dining experiences during their trips, many others visit scenic areas and hiking trails to immerse themselves in nature. 
He's also saying that preserving the tranquility and natural beauty of these areas should be the priority. And minimal infrastructure that caters to essential needs such as toilets and kiosks can be provided without compromising the environment. He is also pointing out that education plays a vital role in ensuring visitors are safe and the environment is careful. Initiatives like the mobile app HKSOS launched by the police force are excellent tools for raising awareness and providing help to lost hikers. So with us uh, this morning, still with us, is Roland Sharman uh, with Hong Kong Outsider and joining us is Dr. Shan Shan Chung. Um, a senior lecturer and program director with Hong Kong Baptist University's Department of Biology. Good morning, Dr. Chong. Good morning. Morning. So, uh, one of our uh, listeners is saying that we need to preserve the natural beauty of our country parks. Now, will promoting green tourism be contradictory to that? Um, if it is truly green tourism, it is not. It will not be contradictory, but uh, I doubt if it is possible and if at all profitable to uh, carry out uh, and practice uh, green tourism in a large scale. Yeah, so, so explain to us what you mean by green tourism. It's, it's more than just visiting a country park, isn't it? It, it is. Uh, it is more than that. Um, just um, it, Not just by going there, but uh, be appreciative of nature, uh, be willing to learn about uh, why uh, this uh, natural environment is important and what, what, what is its function is uh, in um, helping the earth and even Hong Kong. Um, uh, ecosystem uh, to maintain sustainability um, and also be not just um, focusing on the natural environment, but there are also um, in some um, countryside, there are still villages and village people living there and, and those uh, um, cultures are uh, uh, staying there like in like Jiwo in Hong Kong there is a uh, uh, a very uh, cons a, a group of people concentrating uh, a concentrate of um, cluster of hacker uh, culture. So those type of um, and there is also a, a small museum there. I, I've been there. So to be to understand um, and to appreciate um, the minor culture uh, uh, is, is also one of the and also to respect um, the local community. Um, take for example. Um, tourists may think that, oh, we have the right um, to take pictures, we have the right to enjoy ourselves uh, since we, we uh, spend so much time coming to, to, to this place. But um, there are some um, actions or behavior that may actually um, be inconvenient or even disturbing the local community. In, in that case, uh, we shouldn't do it, right? Like taking pictures in front of someone's house have we asked um, uh, uh, the the homeowners um, uh, permission, right? We 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 need to strictly speaking, and uh, being too noisy. Oh, I think Chinese has this problem. Whenever we are excited, we <laughs> we talk aloud. Right. Um, okay. So so you you with the Department of Biology, you you just talked about noise disturbance. What is the impact on? the environment what is it on on the animals and plants um what is the impact of these so-called green tourism 
Right. Now, noise itself uh, may have uh, a more short-term um, impact uh, because um, you, you know that noise come and go, all right? It, I, I'm not talking about setting up a, a wind turbine in the countryside. Uh, now, in, if, if you set up a wind turbine in, in a countryside, then um, the noise impact will be long-term. So short-term noise impact, you probably just scare some um, uh, indigenous uh, uh, fauna away uh, and people get uh, disturbed um, is, is the impact is not is not long lasting but when there are more and more people who think that uh, they should enjoy the countryside they want to enjoy the countryside but they didn't really un- fully understand what uh, green tourism or ecotourism um, or ecotourists should behave, um, that can bring a problem. Um, first and foremost, uh, they, they will leave rubbish. Uh, and they, they may bring a lot of uh, disposable utensils. Uh, they, uh, I, I, I say they, they need food and drink, right? But usually, uh, uh, if they are not uh, a very pro-environment person, then they will bring um, uh, food and drink there uh, with um, uh, prepackaged uh, um uh, they are prepackaged products, and and once they finish it, they they are they are they are, they are desperate in finding places to dispose of it. In fact, uh, in um, uh, in, a, in well, we uh, you talk about education. So we actually it has been um, the the government and green groups have been educating uh, people that we should bring our trash away, um, not by finding trying desperately um, to find a place to dispose of the waste. So um, there are uh, quite a lot of inconvenience, you may say, um, uh, and request um, for eco-tourists, and that can bring uh, um, inconvenience um, to many people. Right. Dr. Chung, you, you talked a lot about uh, the impact uh, or the disturbances that may be caused uh, at uh, on these uh, eco-tourism uh, tours. Uh, so um, what do you think of uh, calls for more development of uh, facilities at these uh, ecotourism spots? I mean, are you against it then? Well, honestly, um, there should be some areas that is left untouched, especially the uh, sites with special and very high um, scientific and ecological importance. All right. But for the peripheral, um, I agree that uh, we can add facilities um, just to let people uh, being, be able to enjoy some part of nature uh, and without causing too much uh, impact. Um, I, I have um, read about um, the uh, proposal that uh, there should be more catering facilities. I, I don't mind uh, having catering facilities, uh, more uh, uh, have establishing more catering facilities uh, in the countryside. Um, but um, uh, it depends on, on what type of um, how, how the catering um, service is being run. Um, this is important. Uh, first, I think they should be run by local people rather than inviting some tenders from a large catering group uh, like uh, uh, whatever, okay, to um, to 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 run a, 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 a restaurant there, all right, or even a, a fast food shop, shop there. And second is about um, um, the way they serve um, the people. It should they they should not use one of disposable um, uh, tablewares, uh, but that's very common. That's that's very even common for in, in urban areas, not to mention in the um, uh, more remote areas. Uh, they, they, they tend to just um, uh, trash everything 
because um, that's the most convenient way to do. Um, not to mention that because uh, in, in the new territory, uh, only in the holiday times that um, people are coming in substantial numbers so that they, they can, they can um, uh, make a profit uh, to sustain their, their business. All right, so so they they tend to reduce the cost in in uh, washing the facilities, um, and disposable wear is uh, their first choice. So uh, I think um, is there some there some uh, merits in this idea, but uh, the detail has to work has to work out. Yeah. So Roland Sharman, um, <coughs> Dr. Chung just listed a whole bunch of problems about green tourism. Um, she's saying that there needs to be we need to be more mindful about conservation of nature and culture. What what should what else should we be doing in order to strike that balance? <coughs> um, well, I wholeheartedly agree with everything she said and, uh, and sort of replicate some of the comments I was making earlier. Um, it, what more can we do? Well, this is the this is the trick, isn't it? We need to find a way where we can promote real green tourism. Green tourism. I mean, should we? Um, should we? Should we get more people to? It, it, it's it's kind of like a, um, you know, oxymoron. Eco tourism, isn't it? You get more people to go to the to the to to nature, and doesn't that just disturb the nature? It it, it does, but. And I know we've mentioned this many times. Education is key. Listen, the world is going that direction. We need to care for our environment. Otherwise, it's not going to care for us anymore. Um, and I think people are starting to come around to that idea. Um, you know, the government's making inroads in, 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 in sort of reducing the amount of um, sort of single-use plastics and waste in general. Uh, and this is a key problem. But if we don't address it and we don't try and come up with some infrastructure I mean, soft, using this word again, soft infrastructure, but just some guidelines and some protocols around how we're going to develop this, what can be done, education being at the heart of it and how we educate and how we promote Hong Kong. We have to start the process somewhere. Um, you know, and as we were saying earlier, Hong Kong is very uniquely positioned. Um, there is no other tier one city. I mean, yes, everyone's complaining about the pandemic and, and, and what's been happened and what's been done, but it's still a global tier one city. And there's no other global tier one city in the world that has mountains on its doorstep. Um, you can do everything in this, in, in, in this, in this town uh, except the ski. Uh, okay, we don't have perhaps the terrain of, of other places in the world, but it, it has such a draw to, 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 to people. And the, the, the eco side of that has to be part of how we move forward and how we attract people uh, to, to, our, to, to our natural landscapes and our city in general. Um, and whether we're looking at mainlanders or foreign tourists uh, or people that just come over on business, and let's be real, a lot of the, the, the traffic that comes into Hong Kong is commercial related and business related. But there's an, and a lot of the people I know come to a, a business meeting or a conference, but they also want to get outside and enjoy uh, the natural uh, landscapes and environment. Um, so we need to find a way where we can address uh, a more sustainable path forward. Right. Uh, Dr. Chung, so Mr. Sharman there, he just uh, suggested uh, maybe introduction of some sort of guidelines uh, to protect uh, the environment that these uh, visitors uh, actually uh, go to. Um, do, you, do you think that's enough? Do we need uh, uh, to introduce uh, 
more like uh, some sort of regulation for for eco tours for green tours well whether it's guideline or regulation i think they serve the same purpose uh, and i fully agree that uh, there should be guidelines so or say like uh, it's not just on land uh, even when we visit the sea like uh, diving i'm a diver they there are international diving etiquette that we need to follow so I, I'm sure that uh, uh, introducing, uh, educating people with uh, uh, land-based uh, tourism guidelines or etiquette uh, is, uh, is more than appropriate. Um, uh, whether it's regulations or guidelines, um, they all have one shortcomings. It is unless people really pay attention and practice, uphold those guidelines and regulations. If not, then you need someone to enforce the regulation or the guidelines. And that's the weakest part because it's out there. It's so large. Um, how can you uh, reach, uh, watch and, and, and uh, supervise everyone, every, every people, everyone who is uh, in, in the wild, in the, well, the countryside? So um, I agree that uh, people should be educated, but uh, should be educated with um, um, the proper etiquette uh, uh, and behavior uh, in the natural environment. But then um, it is not easy. Yes. Uh, a lot of uh, tourists, they come here, they won't even bother reading the guidelines, even if you give them whether it's in e-form or in printed form. All right? they, and, and they have their own belief. Uh, I still find people believing that uh, having uh, keeping uh, a living uh, Christmas tree every Christmas is pro-environment, is uh, eco-friendly, is environmentally friendly, even though they have to dump the tree afterwards. All right. So there are a lot of misconceptions around. It's, uh, it takes a long time to change people's uh, uh, thinking and, and values. So. That's why I agree. I, I said earlier that some core places, if they, it is of very high scientific and ecological importance, they should be kept intact because we cannot afford to lose them. But there are other parts that I think uh, it is possible to uh, make it more convenient for people to enjoy it. Before you go, Roland Sharman, Hong Kong Outsiders, how do you educate your uh, clients, your visitors that you take to our countryside? With a big stick. <laughs> um, I'm uh, very pro-conservation pro, pro and the environment and sustainability. Um, every time I send details out in a hike, I say no single-use plastic whatsoever. I always take an opportunity to discuss aspects of... Um, this on all our trips because inevitably <clears throat> there's someone who buys a, a brings a plastic bottle that they've bought in the shop and i said well if you spend your money that way um things are never going to be reduced and, and your, your your vote is the dollar you spend uh, we're picking up bottles and trash all the time often i hand out uh, netted bags to collect stuff on the way um in fact i, I started an event a year a couple of years ago called environmental day <laughs> which is focused on sort of getting people out of their comfort zone to improving um, their well-being and mental health, being in nature, but challenging oneself as well, which we all know is very positive for, for one, but also at the same time caring for your environment, because if we don't care for our environment, it's not going to care for us, and we need our environment. Uh, and that's, <laughs> unfortunately, that's, that's the big gap in people's understanding, that they're destroying their own livelihood okay. in, in a way, or not perhaps theirs, but their future generations. Thank um, you very much. So, uh, yeah.
that's basically it. Okay. Thank you very much, Roland Sharman uh, from Hong Kong Outsider and also Shan Shan Chung from Hong Kong Baptist University. There's never been an easier way to listen back to our programs on your device. Whichever platform you use, the RTHK Radio app is the perfect place to discover all our shows. It's so easy to use, it looks great, and in an instant, you'll be listening back to your favorite RTHK program. You can even tune in live using the app. Go check it out, the RTHK Radio app at your preferred app store. You're listening to Backchat. Call us on 233-88-266 and have your say. And so joining us on the line now, we have Jilly Wong, the chief executive of the of the Consumer Council. We were going to talk about uh, probiotics, regulating probiotics. Um, do we have Jilly Wong? Yep, Jilly Wong is on the line now. Good morning, Ms. Wong. So, so uh, the Consumer Council has done a study on probiotics, and you found that some of them, the the labelling is 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 uh, faulty, and actually, um, people have been harmed. Tell us more. Well, um, it is not exactly faulty, but uh, it is uh, incomplete and also um, not providing enough and accurate information, uh, not enough information for consumers to um, make their choice. Um, this time, you know, we reviewed 40 different uh, probiotics products in the market, and what we found is only 15 uh, samples can clearly uh, label all the uh, probiotics um, to the extent of the strain of the bacteria. Um, because according to international voluntary labeling guidelines, um, the best you know labeling is you know you should have providing the genus, species, and strains of the bacteria together with the quantity uh, in the unit of CFU, which we have seen it many times, uh, and also you know the manufacturing day, expiry day, etc. Um, so as you know to provide uh, more information. Reasons being is uh, for uh, for general uh, health uh, purpose, uh, you can refer to the genus. But if you are talking about the healing. Uh, functional uh, benefit of a specific uh, probiotics, it has to refer to the strength. And that's why you know, it's so important to have this, these three different informations you know, labeled on the product. But only 15, you know, have all everything, you know, labeled. And uh, also uh, 20 samples only labeled genus. And two, one sample, you know, you have nothing, nothing, you know, related to what kind of uh, bacteria you're using, nothing about, you know, CFU. Uh, etc. Um, so what we believe is you know, there are many rooms, you know, for the products in Hong Kong to improve on their labeling. And um, one more point is about, you know, two samples. What we found is um, uh, two, uh, they have, they, they are using uh, a bacteria called Enterococcus fecalis, uh, which is um, relatively an unstable um, Strings, um, and that's why you know after safety assessment by the JFAO and WHO for the latest latest assessment, it could have easily contaminated or have the risk of turning into pathogens and have resistance to the um, antibiotic called when causing as well. So it is not recommended to use in these two strings uh, for uh, as a probiotics for human consumption. So when consumers make the choice, you know, they have to be really mindful about, you know, the labeling and learn more about it before you start purchasing. Right. And Ms. Wong, I, I know Consumer Council, you carry out a lot of different studies. Why, why did you uh, decide to study probiotics this time? Well, uh, it's 
mainly because it's so popular in the market right now. We've seen it almost, you know, in in any um, shelf, you know, of uh, all the wellness shop, and everybody, you know, talk about it. And that's why, you know, it is so important for us to have a look whether it is um, uh, it is um, uh, safe enough, you know, for consumers, and also whether they, they provide the right information. And that's why, you know, we proceed to this study. We did a general introduction in the past, and it's so popular. And we also saw the need from the market that, you know, they want to have more information for reference. And that's why, you know, we make this very uh, extensive uh, product review and also um, a research, but also consulting um, medical professionals about their view on different claims uh, of these kind of products, whether they are really helpful to consumers and also what are the areas that they have to be mindful about. Right. And what's been the, uh, the response or the reaction of, of some of these uh, uh, companies to, to your findings? Well, uh, some companies, um, they're more positive in terms of um, uh, um, they know there are rooms for them to improve on their labeling, and that's, uh, uh, they said, you know, they would look into it and also improve. And of course, you know, their traders said, um, uh, no, you know, our product uh, has no problem at all. Um, and one product, you know, um, said, you know, they provide the information to us, you know, uh, uh, because it is one of two uh, having um, enterocosis. Uh, as the as strings um, inform us that. Uh, but um, actually, you know, we received their documents only from last night, and there are uh, certain additional information that we received, but um, they haven't marked it on their product label. And that's why, you know, when we reviewed the product, we haven't seen and couldn't, you know, find the information. And when we asked for a response, you know, they haven't provided to us as well. So what we believe is it is okay, but um, it's even more important for different traders after they learn about the international guidelines, uh, even though it's a voluntary basis, but there must be a purpose for it. And they start, you know, uh, uh, um, have a plan and also take immediate action to improve on their product labeling and also the marketing claim they're referring to. Because for certain um, benefits, you know, that they're claiming right now, there's no um, proven scientific um, evidence that, you know, it is it can help. Um, uh, improving, you know, those are functional areas. And uh, we believe, you know, they have to be mindful about, you know, how they make their marketing claim. And also um, the alerts to consumers on what kind of people are suitable to take it and what are the people, you know, uh, are not suitable and you know, what are the risks, you know, involved. That are the informations that need by consumers in uh, making their choice. Uh, on your website, on the Consumer Council website, it also points out that probiotics, when you store them, um, they have to be below a certain temperature. They are affected by heat and humidity. Mm. So with, with the ones you tested, are the labelings adequate in, in terms of storage, in terms of um, risk to children, for example? Well, um, it is a product review, so we review their product. And uh, when we um, review the product, uh, 20 samples said, you know, it is um, suitable for, uh, for children and we ranging from uh, age uh, zero and below to, or all the way to um, two to six, you know, above. And um, what we believe is, you know, parents have to be also very careful in, in feeding their baby, especially, you know, the newborn baby for uh, probiotics. Reasons being is they're at the development stage. So um, if their immune system, immunity system are still, you know, under development, uh, but you feed them, you know, something extra, but uh, whether it can really solve their um, intestinal uh, problem, it is a question. So it is much better for them to consult their, um, their doctor first uh, in understanding the problem. And even if you 
if they advise you to take probiotics, um, they will advise you on what kind of strains, uh, genders, uh, how long should they take, and also the quantity involved. That would be much safer, you know, for the, for for the parents, you know, to um, to take care of their baby and also the children. Um, this is the best advice, you know, we're offering to them. And likewise for adults. Because it doesn't mean that, you know, the more you eat, the better it is. You have to find the right strain and also genus and also um, and also the right quantity as well, you know, to serve very specific functional purpose and uh, healing, you know, purpose. And uh, if you're talking about um, helping you to, on the uh, um and also some other uh, problems, you know, like allergens, um, that may not be highly, uh, really proven, you know, by scientific evidence that it can improve on that. And if you keep eating probiotics uh, just for the, uh, to try that whether it can heal yourself, it may delay your, uh, your progress and also your time to seek for medical advice. So these are the simple advice, you know, that we offer to consumers. All right. And, and Ms. Wong, I mean, you found out uh, many of these uh, labeling on uh, probiotic products are not satisfactory. So how are you going to follow up on this? Well, obviously, uh, we have uh, we have already in contact with all these um, uh, uh, traders, um, so um, they know the results because beforehand we offer them uh, the opportunity to uh, respond to us, so they can opt for responding or not to respond. But you know, by far, they know their results already, and uh, we'll continue to urge them, you know, to improve on their labeling. And uh, we don't exclude the fact that, you know, maybe down the road a few years' time, you know, we will look at it again and see whether there's any improvement. But frankly speaking, um, in order to safeguard consumer interest and their safety in taking care, uh, in, in, in taking this kind of probiotics, it is even more important for the government to look into the regulation uh, because for dietary supplements, we don't have specific regulation right now to govern that. We have general uh, ordinance, but uh, it is not specific to dietary supplement and also probiotics, which, you know, in other markets, we observe, you know, there are already very specific uh, regulation on there uh, that we can make reference to. For example, mainland China, um, there are very clear guidelines about, you know, what are the probiotics, uh, bacteria, you know, uh, allowed, and what other things, you know, cannot be on the list. So these are many, many markets, you know, we can refer to in order to uh, strengthen our uh, governance on this uh, on, on probiotics. And of course, probiotics don't always come in a pill. I mean, sauerkraut or sourdough or kimchi, all those are natural yogurt. There's a natural probiotic. What should consumers do when they feel that, you know, it's often people take an antibiotic for because they had an infection and then they feel that they need to take the probiotic to balance it out. Should they take the natural form or should, should they take a pill? You bring up a very, very good point. Um, in actual fact, you know, there are many great foods in the market. They are organic. Um, uh, it is natural. That can really help you for your diet already. Um, of course, you know, it is so important to maintain a balanced uh, uh, lifestyle, uh, exercising with very good, you know, dietary habits, um, taking, uh, intaking high-fiber foods, uh, for example, um, uh, yogurt and uh, oatmeal, uh, nuts, uh, vegetables, tofu, you know, etc. Um, and fermented, you know, vegetables, etc. Um, there are many ways, you know, for you to improve your intestinal uh, condition um, to help on your immunity system. So um, there are many ways, but, you know, whether you should take probiotics, it's much better to have medical advice because you may really uh, need it, but, um, uh, but if you just take it 
uh, by yourself, you don't know the quantity, what kind of strings, you know, it is still, you know, defeating the purpose as well and wasting money. Because one sample, you know, what we found is if you're taking $50 per day, you're talking about $3,000 per month um, in order to take, you know, the probiotics. So it is could be a costly exercise for you. Thank you very much, Jilly Wong from the Consumer Council uh, on why we need better labeling on probiotics. We're coming up to 10 o'clock. Thank you very much, Raphael Blatt, who is our producer, and, of course, Janice, who is my presenter today.